podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Swing at a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High and He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, strike three, it's over! have won the world championship welcome to benny and the bets podcast can you believe it here's your host terry cushman good evening everyone and welcome to the 158th edition of the benny and the bets podcast covering boston red sox baseball for everyone staying up late tonight on periscope the podcast as always can be found on google Podcasts, spotify stitcher spreaker soundcloud Apple Podcasts, and the link to our Apple Podcast feed can be found right above your video window. All of our episodes can be found there. Red Sox are kind of wrapping up a three-game set against the Kansas City Royals. They are in rain delay right now in the 10th inning. Each team has taken one of the first two games, so within the next hour or so, uh, the you know the series will resume. But already eleven fifteen on the East Coast, so we will just get things rolling. I am Terry Cushman, and I'm joined as always by Jeremy Schilling and Matt Clark. How are you guys? Not, not good. Not good at all. Stop watching this team right now. Still. Does yeah, a, they suck. Does a series win over uh, the Royals excite you? Terry, oh, yeah, Terry, so. Terry starting the podcast by asking rhetorical questions. <laughs> That's where we're at. All right. Well, let, you know, that's a good point. Let me just point out that, uh, you know, this is my third season, my second full season. But, uh, you know, I've had a first place team every year up until this one. And I'm going to boldly assume that before the 2017 season, there probably weren't a ton of Red Sox podcast Podcasts in general are popping up left and right. So, you know, what I'm getting at here is this is kind of uncharted waters. I've never podcasted over, you know, uh, a last, what are we, seven more weeks of kind of limbo, which we'll uh, be getting into uh, after uh, discussing this Royal Series. But uh, <laughs> like you said, that's where we're at. So, um, but we're all podcasters. We all cover the team and there's going to be better years than others. So anyway, um, Porcello pitched six innings, uh, gave up one run on four hits. So we at least know where his floor is now, don't we? Uh, yeah, I guess he can beat the Royals. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, look, it was prom. I mean, look, you you can only one thing I hate is people that are like, yeah, but it's he played, you know, fill in the blank, like whatever sport it may be, right? So in baseball, it's like, well, Pedroia is not Pedroia. Holy shit! Uh, <laughs> oh, dollar in the swear driver in the first ninety seconds. Um, by the way, he's obviously coming back healthy and ready to go next year after his knee surgery. Of course he is. Don um, so, uh, Porcello, it can't be held against him that he's facing the Royals. Um, he did what he had to do and you know, I, that's fine. Um, Kashner sucks. Uh, that's pathetic against this team. Erod was pathetic tonight. The bullpen was pathetic of all the giving the, that team stinks. Like, it, 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 that team is so pathetic that it's kind of hard to imagine that 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 wasn't uh, that's not a walkaway sweep and inst- and this they could still lose the series which I mean is very much on the table once once the rain gives way so you know I mean even if they do win the series it's in like the least impressive fashion of all time and it's just we're just waiting I, I, for me i'm just waiting for the execution whenever it is a sweep against the angels this weekend maybe that could be the execution who knows but it's coming looking forward to it you know that's another team we'll get into it that you know could give us fits so uh andrew kashner gave up a major dud Seems to be fitting right in with the, you know, second half trend of the Red Sox at this point. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you you take a guy who's overachieving on a bad team and you bring him right back down to earth by trading him to the Red Sox. Smart smart move by Dombrowski. Um, get that guy's value down so you could probably re-sign him to like a $15 uh, million per year, you know, four or five, four or five year deal. Smart baseball decision by Dombrowski. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking when we uh, acquired him because, I mean, that was, what, first week of July, something like that. And, I mean, I wasn't counting us out. I, I wasn't comfortable. But I thought, well, you know, if we go on a run, maybe he's going to have two epic postseason starts and get a four-year contract out of it. Uh, well, obviously, that's shade on Avaldi, which, you know. <laughs> yeah course i mean you're, you're uh i'm having yeah, fun that how about you you guys hit on two important points i mean it, all we've heard since i don't know even before the deadline and even after the deadline was well we did make moves we we picked up uh we picked up cashner uh who who has been great this year and, and is going to be a big part of the rotation and Avaldi's coming back, and he's going to shore up the bullpen. So since joining the Red Sox, uh, Kashner has won one game, I believe, and his ERA is 7.53. And um, I believe Avaldi's ERA now is nine something. He blew the save tonight. Uh, ironically, probably looked the best that he's looked, but that's not really saying that much. So. But yet, Cora and Dombrowski sit out there and continue to tout these as their big moves that were going to save the team. Um, kind of makes you see how clueless Dombrowski is. And I'll be honest with you, uh, I was reading that Kashner, if he pitches 62, uh, 62 more innings this year, 
Uh, he has a vesting option for $10 million next year. Something tells me that he's uh, designated for assignment prior to that happening. Although, I don't know, maybe Dombrowski will double down and extend him for another three years. Who knows? I, I honestly don't know what's going on because, you know, they interviewed Dombrowski today and, and I believe it was today or yesterday, just recently. And he said, nah, I think from what I've seen, the bullpen's been pitching fine. They've, they've basically been fine. Uh, and he said that, you know, he's been watching it. He's been through the blown saves and it hasn't cost the, the Red Sox that many games. Um, just for the record, the Red Sox now, including tonight, have blown 21 saves. Um, we don't know the outcome of tonight's game. I, I have a feeling it's going to be a loss because they suck. But um, so far, the Red Sox are 7-11 and 11 in the games that they've blown saves. So, I mean, those 11 games, even half of those, you're in the wild card. You have the wild card uh, lead. If you, if you cut back on half of those 11 blown saves, so, or uh, half of those 11 losses from the blown, uh, blown saves. So to say that they haven't cost them that many games is asinine, and it shows you how little of a clue Dombrowski has right now. I heard them, I Tom Karen or someone say that the uh, Red Sox, eight of those uh, 21 blown saves, they've still gone on to win. And that's a common cop-out across social media with, you know, the diehard homers, you know, that are just trying to make a case that this bullpen is formidable. But in reality, it's the number 15th ranked bullpen in MLB. So I just... All this denial that Dave Dombrowski is in with the bullpen just it's just gonna infuriate people even more. I mean it's just I, I I'm blown away by the effort to change the narrative and use hand picked statistics and rankings to somehow Make it seem like it's not as pathetic as it is. They're, they're, I think they're first in the in baseball in runs scored per game, and yeah. they're not. They're got, they're getting blown away. They're not. They're not even in the hunt. If this was two weeks ago, they'd be sellers at the trade deadline. But yet we're hearing things like, "Well, fifteenth's not that bad." Well, what are you talking about? You, it's not just the bullpen. The starting rotation sucks since David Price. Uh, eviscerated Eckersley on Twitter because he's an idiot and he has no um, he can't independently look at his situation and say I'm the moron here since that bullshit uh, oh, god damn it another, <laughs> another dollar um, since that thing happened he's got like an 11 ERA he's 0 for 4 he sucks he, he has given you nothing it's not just the bullpen it's it's Everybody and the one guy we could count on, Eduardo Rodriguez, is reverting back to zero and two, and then no strikes. Erod, and he's nibbling. He doesn't trust the stuff, and he's not. And he put the bullpen in the situation he put it in because he couldn't get deep into the game. I mean, he shares the blame. So it's not. It's the fact that you have the best offense in baseball, and. By the way, an offense that never gives up. 
never gives up. They always fight. That down seven nothing, they get you back to seven four, seven five. I mean, it's it's honestly it's unrelenting, and it's it's that part of it has been fun to watch, especially when they fight like hell to get back, get the team back in games that they shouldn't be back in, and and it's everyone. It's Sale. It's obviously Porcello. It's obviously Price. It's Velasquez. It's uh, now it's Cad Kashner. It's now Erod struggling. Brian Johnson when he had some starts. I mean, it's everyone. It's pathetic. And you know, we talked a little bit last week about uh, Lavangie getting potentially canned. I mean, I with each of these pathetic uh, outings, starts, bullpen sessions, saves, whatever may be the situation. I mean, he it, the the pitching staff just is not ready to succeed, top to bottom. Everyone, it's pathetic. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, like I said, I'm waiting for the execution, and it could come against the Angels. They're not going to be able to get Trout out. They're not, right? They're just absolutely not. So, you know, I don't know what he's going to look like. Maybe eight of eleven with six home runs, uh, just stealing bases and causing havoc, and so. Yeah, I mean, and by the way, this game's in the top of the tenth in a rain delay. You're gonna come back, and and here's what's gonna happen. I, I just, and I don't know if they're gonna win the game, and I think that's probably the least important result. But what's gonna happen is they're gonna have four or five more guys have to pitch. They're gonna go all the way into the guys that shouldn't even be pitching tonight, and then they're gonna be absolutely toasted going into the series. With starting pitching that cannot get you to the sixth inning. So they're setting up for failure moving forward just as well as they are tonight. I've got some. You bring up something that. I apologize, but you bring up something important uh, with the not pitching into the, you know, beyond the fifth inning. So I read a, a statistic tonight that the Red Sox are 31 and 11 when they get a quality start this season from their, their starting uh, pitchers. In fourteen and one in their last fifteen, so that tells you how few times that's happened this year. And anybody that can actually go the six innings without getting obliterated, they're getting the win. That offense is, while it's looked a little more pedestrian of late, and I can kind of get into my thoughts on that a little bit later. But they they just can't pitch deep into games and. There, there was actually an article I was reading today, and uh, they were interviewing Christian Vasquez, and he was talking about how um, he thinks that part of the problem while why the starting pitching is getting hit so hard is they pitch up in the zone, especially with fastballs, and teams have figured that out, and they're hitting them. And I'm sitting here going, well, I'm not a coach in the majors, but wouldn't you stop throwing the ball up in the zone all the time, if everybody's got it figured out and they're hitting the hell out of the ball, why why are you still doing the same thing? And I don't know who that falls on. I don't know if that falls on Cora. I don't know if it falls on Lavangi. But if you've figured that out, I don't I don't know if it falls on even Vasquez. If you're calling the game, don't throw high heat up up in the zone if that's what everybody's looking for. I, I don't get what they're doing. It seems like they're uh, too, you know, back to the points that you guys have made in prior podcasts. They're still living in 2018, and they think they're, they're just focused on that. Well, it worked in 2018. Well, it's 2019. Everybody everybody reviewed all the all the film, all the stuff. They know what your game plan is. If you don't shift it 
it's not 2018 anymore and nobody's taking a look at it they haven't made any adjustments they just keep trying to ram the same thing in there expecting something different to all of a sudden just click and well it happened in, in 2018 and it worked well the game's over always evolving and the Red Sox aren't making any adjustments. They just keep going back to 2018, and it's it's ridiculous, and it's costing them games. I, I don't get it. Last year, it wasn't just the Red Sox that were pitching up in the zone. Other teams were kind of pitching in that area as well because it was kind of offsetting the launch angle theory. And part of Mookie Betts' problem was teams had adjusted to him to kind of staying on the outside of the plate. And it took him until July to really figure that out. And so the Red Sox basically didn't make any adjustments on their opponents, you know, and continued to try to, to pitch up in the zone. And that worked very well against the Yankees, especially, you know, Judge had, I forget how many strikeouts in the ALDS as well as Stanton. And I just feel like all these other teams got to watch the Red Sox pitch an extra month. So we were even more scrutinized than anyone else. And adjustments need to get made, you know. So I <laughs> I, I think Vasquez made a great point and you know, and it's it's too bad that the the rotation hasn't uh, you know figured that out. Yeah, I mean, look the 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 theory is to beat the launch angle approach is to get swings and misses. It's no longer soft contact. So, uh, and that may be the right play because balls in play are being hit harder than they've ever been hit and you know terry would complain about juice balls although he doesn't know what he's talking about um what do, whoa, whoa, whoa. That, what do you mean they're not, not not that there aren't juice balls <laughs> the balls the are fact that they're not fuck. good for the game because they are good for the game oh, i disagree um, hundred thousand percent I know, that's why I said. So, so many of those balls, how many times have we heard, you know, Remy and O'Brien and Eckersley say, wow, I, I didn't think that was a home run. Like, you can see it not get squared up with the barrel of the bat. You know, the the top of the bat is hitting the ball, and it would normally be a routine fly up, fly out, and it's carrying. And that's that's not baseball to me. That's, Harry, that's fake Harry, baseball. They, they, they got rid of steroids. The game was never more popular. They can't they can't sell to the average fan steroids, so they juice the ball. It's it makes total sense. It doesn't, Jeremy. About. And if you're listening to a lot of the complaints right now, it's either strikeouts or home runs, and people are sick of it. They they miss the traditional small ball, you know, base running, all of that. It's it's a boring game right now. Nesson's ratings are down fourteen percent this year. So there's nothing well, good about because they suck. There's nothing good about juice baseballs. They're down across the board, and, and we haven't really sucked, you know, since the All Star break. Kind of sucked. Well, we were we were ten now games. We, really ab- we were ten games above five hundred at least. It, it's. I agree. You know, the ball is juice. There's no doubt about it. Um, You know, the old adage that chicks love the long ball. 
everybody, I, I think they're trying to attract the younger crowd, and they think the home run is going to do that. Um, I agree with Jeremy's point that the, the steroids have cleaned that up. Everybody frowned upon that. Something's different with the ball. You're hearing it from some of the top flight pitchers. They, they've been complaining about it all year. The home runs, the number of people that are on pace to hit 40 home runs this year is like quadrupled off the the record number. The balls are definitely juiced. Um, you know, whether or not it's good for the game, I don't know. Uh, your conventional or your traditionalist will say definitely not. Um, maybe some of the younger crowd, they like the 500-foot the home runs that are that are getting blasted out of there. Launch angle is a big part of it. You know, people have adjusted, and, and the, game, the game doesn't care. I mean, some of it is teams and, and, and the outlook as to how they approach it has changed. It, it used to be you tried to – you wanted guys with a hit tool and you could play small ball. Nobody does that really anymore. Everybody is just focused on – you know what? You can go one for four with three strikeouts. If that one one hit is a three run home run, nobody cares. Uh, and and you can hit two fifty with. There's there's a bunch of guys in this league that are all stars that are hitting under two fifty with a, a ton of home runs and RBIs. And and that's that's where the game's at right now. You know, for better or worse. Uh, you know, we can sit here all day and argue if it's good for the game or not and, and you know how that affects the ratings, but it's definitely the ball is definitely jumping out, whether it's people adjusting the launch angle or juiced balls, which I do agree that, you know, you're, you're having a lot of people argue that they are juiced. Uh, you look at what they're doing in Arizona with the humidors to try to keep the balls from bouncing out of the park. So easily there's something different about the baseball. There's no doubt about it. And, and it's, it's just, well, Major League Baseball hasn't denied it. They've said they don't make the baseballs. <laughs> well, they do. I mean, they they do. Technically, they own Rawlings. They paid $395 million to buy Rawlings, the company that makes the baseballs, and and they, they're just claiming ignorance. Well, we, we don't really know why. We, we think there's less drag. You don't cough up nearly a half a billion dollars and be clueless. There There's... There's a motive there, and, and we're seeing it. And I agree. And maybe, maybe they thought it would be more exciting, but it is backfiring. It is backfiring. You are seeing writers coming out saying this is not a good product. Games are longer because of it. And from a performance standpoint, I have some pretty grave concerns. We have two thirty million dollar pitchers. Granted, Chris Sale is pitching on his $15 million option, but going forward, he's a $30 million a year pitcher along with David Price, and they can't pitch to contact. That that whole concept has screwed up the sport, and I nearly swore there. That was my first time. It's garbage, and, and it needs to go. I'll tell you. I think the baseball, because they have been called out by some of the larger name pitchers like Sal, like Verlander, you know, some of these, some of these guys who have been elite for years that know that the ball is different. I mean, the pitchers are going to know better than anybody. They they're the guys who are gripping it, you know, hundreds of times, uh, uh, over a hundred times a game or whatever. Uh, these guys are going to know if there's a different feel to the ball, if if it the they're just repeating that release of the ball all the time. If it's not doing the same thing, they're going to notice it. And they've been called out. And I don't think Major League Baseball can do anything this year. But I anticipate next year the balls will be a little less juiced. I think they took it to an extreme. 
And I think they've gotten caught with it. And I, and I do anticipate a regression back to the means a little bit, uh, somewhere in between what it was before and what it is now. And that's why, you know, I'm a little less concerned about the long-term uh, projections of a sale than some people are, because I do think that the ball is playing into some of sales control. I think it's a different ball this year. And, and I don't think that, you know, he, he can't pitch the, that contact and there is a lot more contact and it's going a lot farther and he's, he's being bit by it. But I agree with you, Terry. It, it, it is concerning that, you know, as, as a team, the Red Sox, a lot of their, their, payroll is tied up in that rotation they have the highest paid rotation in baseball so if the ball is juiced and and it's definitely in favor of the hitter the red sox are screwed because they put all their eggs in the the pitching basket and you know it's not it's not ending well this year for them. Uh, this year will go on to be the record for uh most home runs hit and it's going to shatter the record um, previously that was 2017 and then it took a dip last year, you know, which happened to be the year the Red Sox won the world series. Their home run totals were, were up, you know, regardless. So I think they, they are adjusting, you know, the dynamics of the ball and, and, you know, so I, hopefully they do, you know, make another adjustment to to deaden it a little bit. But here's the other thing, too. Their other major initiative here is pace of play, and they're not going to be able to have it both ways. If they want faster games, it's not going to be with juice baseballs. And so they're going to have to find a happy medium, you know, pick which one they value the most. But very few Red Sox games have ended under three hours, and probably even very few under three and a quarter hours. I don't, I don't have that data up, but tonight was a was a four hour game through nine innings against the Kansas City Royals. So, um, <laughs> I, I, it's it's just a mess more this year than it has has been any other year. And the last thing I want to do is to see them make adjustments, you know, based on or, or or new concepts based on this year's data, which is so far out of whack. The baseballs are the exact same for everybody. And you have talent that should be swing and miss guys, including Sale, who, you know, had what, 325 strikeouts two years ago. Price has won a Cy Young. Um, I think he struck out. You know, he has a higher strikeout rating. Erod. These are guys that are swing and miss guys. There, there's no excuse. The baseballs are the same for all 30 teams. You pay for the talent. The ball doesn't. The ball matters if you're giving solid contact, or your your location results in solid contact. If the ball is the same for everybody. And you have elite talent, and you've paid for it, which is what they've done, and it's underachieved, then the results are going to be underachieving. It, it, I'm sorry, I just refuse to believe that somehow it's, it has a different effect on the Boston Red Sox. It's just not the case. They, they have underperformed. They have underachieved. They haven't been good enough. They weren't ready to start the season. And yeah, the baseballs are different. No one's doubting that. No one's questioning that. Now, we can have a debate on whether it's good for the game or not. Um, 
I don't necessarily think it's the best thing you could do for the game. I would frankly prefer to keep the athletes healthy and use uh, standardized testing for for uh, HGH and steroids and all that sort of thing. And maybe a, a topic for a different um, podcast over a juiced baseball. But at the end of the day, this is what baseball wants. And you should be able to overcome it because you have elite talent. It's just the fact that the elite talent isn't pitching. It's not. Top to bottom. And you have a, a general manager, a president of baseball operations, or however the hell you want to you identify him, who, who becomes dumb when it comes to building a bullpen. And so he left you, us, as a Red Sox fan base, in a position that we were going to fail. It was going to happen. And we are failing. And then we didn't expect it from the rotation, and they're failing. But it's still, they're throwing the same baseballs as everyone else. So I just, look, it's not its not the baseballs as far as the Red Sox problem. Now, Terry, I think, is going to say, well, it's an overall problem for baseball. And, I, I, you know, fine. We Terry and I are going to disagree on that. I think the ball flying out of the ballpark brings young fans to the game, brings more casual fans to the game. And baseball markets to the casual fans. They don't market to the people that are already going to watch the game. They don't market to the people that are going to watch the game regardless of what happens. And, yeah, do I like small ball? Do I love a 2-1 game where your nine-hitter bunts the the guy over to second so that you now have you know a chance to have your one and two hit with a guy in scoring position? Yeah, I do. I do, I do enjoy that type of baseball. I do also enjoy the, base, uh, the game where there's six home runs in a game. But... As it pertains to the Red Sox, look, your pitching staff sucks, and they're throwing the same baseballs. End of story, period. There's no doubt about that. So, I mean, you want to place blame, and you want to say you're spending money on pitching, you're still going to do it. You still have to do it because that's the key to winning, you know, deep into the season and winning pennants and getting to the World Series. Your pitching staff has sucked, and no one is to blame but Chris Sale, David Price, Eduardo Rodriguez recently – Nathan Avaldi for not being able to stay healthy. Uh, Edgar Velasquez, or I just—that's not his first name. Velasquez. Um, it's not good. Porcello, who's been absolutely dis- disgusting. So, you know, and 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 yeah, the the key and to Matt's point, the key guys, uh, Scherzer and and Bumgardner and Sale and Pratt, I mean, you can go on down the list. We have the key guys in the league. Um, they are going to complain about it because they feel like you know they're giving up contact that shouldn't result in home run. Well, I mean, they're still the best guys. No one's saying they're not still the best guys. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, so we already know the baseballs are juiced. Baseballs, not, Major League Baseball is not even denying it. Well, here's the point. I well, actually, mean, hang on. The, the swing I, and rate. I very the, seldom do the this. The swing and miss rate is still there. To your point. But the problem is, and, and this kind of circles back to the point I was making, the Red Sox haven't made any adjustments. So they've got the guys with the talent, but they're still trying to pitch like the baseballs aren't juiced and trying to pitch up at the zone, and, and it's getting clobbered. It's it, it's pitching to contact, and where they may have gotten weak contact or kept it in the yard before, now it's it's leaving, and, and they're getting pummeled because of it. Or they're just getting stinging, seeing eye singles or doubles and – they're not making that adjustment. It seems like they just want to, they're expecting something to just change all of a sudden by doing the same thing because it worked before. And, and re- regardless, if, if the baseballs are juiced and, or anything's different in this or the, the hitters are making the adjustment, 
you know, to bring this conversation back full circle, the Red Sox aren't adjusting to it. They're just trying to do the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. And we all know how that ends, and it's not ending well for them, and that's where why they're in the giant holder in now. They're just not adjusting to any of the things that they're seeing. And Chris Sale you know, has a... end well when you do that. Chris Sale has a 4.68 ERA, by far the worst of his career. Where does he rank in strikeouts? Where do you guys think he ranks on the list right now? I think he's like sixth or seventh. He's actually third, and he's not—he's not too far off from his his 2017 pace, where he broke a franchise record. And here's the other here's the other thing where where I'm I'm painfully pointing out where the pieces don't fit here. He's third with 193 right now. Garrett Cole is first right now with 226. But Garrett Cole has pitched 24 more innings than Chris Sale. So uh, juice baseballs are absolutely part of Chris Sale's problem right now. The strikeouts are there. It's just the contact he gives up goes over the fence. And... I'm just I'm not coming off of it that that that's a key component right now as to why Chris Sale would basically if he had the number of innings Garrett Cole does would be leading Major League Baseball in strikeouts with a 468 ERA that's disgusting yeah he's got one of the the highest K rates and highest ERAs you know for or he's got this year he'll end up. I saw a stat today that he'll end up with the highest ERA. He's on, or he's on pace to have the highest ERA of anybody who struck out more than thirty percent of the batters that he's faced, and that's crazy. And a lot of that is he's he hasn't been able to locate his slider. Uh, he likes to go outside to these guys. He has not been able to do it. I know Cora came out today and and said that he. Uh, they believe they found some sort of mechanical flaw uh, to fix his slider, um, you know, and, and he's been con- uh, he's been having issues to uh, to really control that all year. There was another interesting piece. Uh, somebody and I, I apologize, I forget the the author of it. They interviewed um, Bill Spaceman Lee, and Spaceman Lee said that he was pronating and, and the way he was coming across his body with his slider. He didn't have it and he needed to change it. And, you know, the way that his mechanics are this year, it, it's that's the issue. He can't control it like he used to. And he's trying to throw harder and he's coming more across his body. And that's an adjustment he'd have to make in the offseason. And I mean, here's a guy in Spaceman Lee that 72 years old, still competing and, uh, in, in, you know, playing competitive baseball and, and throwing hard. Um and had he not hurt his shoulder in that infamous brawl, probably would have had an even more stellar career than he did. And he knows a little bit about about uh, pitching mechanics. But there's something there. There's something, whether it's mechanical, whether it's a ball, there's something. Sales big thing. He's had the swing and miss, and it seems like his biggest issue has been the control just comes and goes. It, it, it We've seen a lot of these games where the first three innings, he's striking everybody out. I mean, how many, I think he's had, what, two or three times this year already? He's had immaculate innings, which is insane. I mean, that tells you he's got the stuff still, but the control just all of a sudden just disappears on him, and he can't 
you know, where he used to be able to paint the corner with the, the slider. Now he's way outside. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, 3-0 or 3-2 or whatever. And he comes inside and he's got to throw it down the middle. And, and now the ball's more hittable and, and they're hitting it hard. So there, there's definitely something that slider is key. And when it, when he's locating it, it's filthy. And, and he's as unhittable as he's ever been. He's got the second highest strikeout rate of his entire career. But that control has been very spotty this year. And I, and I don't know if it's the baseballs. I'm not going to blame it on that. I do think it's more a mechanical issue. And hopefully they are right. Hopefully they figured it out. And this next time he goes out and dominates because, you know, the Sox still have the talent to rattle off a big run. But they're going to need – Sal is the key component to that. It doesn't matter what the rest of these guys do. They're going to need him to be leading the charge. And if he goes out in there and it's rocked, you know – Two out of three times, it's not going to matter what they do. They're they're not going anywhere this year, and and I think the likelihood is is very slim anyway. But if they were to make that run, I mean, it's not unheard of. It's it's not. If they did it, I wouldn't be terribly shocked just because they do. They're, they're loaded with talent still, but, but something, some sort of adjustment has to be made, and somebody has to lead the charge, and that somebody has got to be Chris Sale. Bottom line. His uh, K through nine rate does lead uh, Major League Baseball. Thirteen point zero nine for Chris Sale and twelve point nine eight for uh, Garrett Cole. Uh, also, his walk rate isn't astronomical. It's actually not too far off from from Garrett Cole. So, I mean, walks haven't really been a huge problem for him. Uh, and granted, it's I'm sure it's higher than it has been, but you know, for the league average, he's he's not certainly not getting killed with walks. Location isn't just about walks; it's about location within the strike zone. He hasn't been great at that all year, and it's not like these are, you know, jam job home runs. They're still barreled. And if the answer is, well, that should be a deep fly ball to center and it's off the wall or it's gone, <clears throat> the guy still hit it hard. He still barreled the baseball. So, I mean, look, he's not great. Yeah, he's in the strike zone, relatively speaking, and his K rate's great. But when he's in the strike zone, especially late in his starts, he's not locating appropriately, and his stuff, for whatever reason, isn't. he's not getting away with pitches that are in the middle of the strike zone like he was two, three years ago. So, I, I mean, again, he's throwing the same baseballs as everybody else. It's not like on his starts he gets a different baseball. He's not been good. Has his K-rate been great? Yeah, especially when he, he compiles strikeouts early in the start. And then, and look, I still harken back. I've said it a hundred times. The preparation that they put him in I'm sorry, his preparation to start the season based on the throwing, the modified throwing program was a, it is a huge factor in my opinion. He was never ready to start the season. So then he's 0-4 with a 10 ERA pitching into what should be spring training starts. And while he had a period where he is good, was good, he's not. And, it, uh, you know, it's a microcosm of his preparation coming into the season. So, yeah, Matt, you know, the things you're citing, you know, potential mechanical flaws and, you know, maybe maybe the arm slots a little bit off or whatever may be the case. 
It's just not good enough. And, you know, it's a Chris Sale problem. No one else. I'm, you know, or Levangie or the throwing program. But it's not these ancillary factors that we're suggesting they are. It's not. He's throwing the same baseballs as everybody else. I mean, but his his numbers are still good in so many areas. I mean that I we're just gonna have he's to been, agree to disagree. He's been as efficient in the strike zone, Terry, as he's been in the past. You telling me? You're telling me that despite the raw numbers, watching games as, as often as you and I do, and we talk every night about baseball, that he has been as efficient in the strike zone as he's been in years past. You're telling me that. Not quite, but he can't pitch to contact is what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. You could, if he was throwing 20, 18 baseballs, you know, then there's no way his ERA is that high. That uh, You're not going to sell me on that. I'm not, sell- I'm not selling you on anything because once you get an opinion, everyone knows you're stuck to it. I have no problem with that. But I, you know, I just you, you can't. Then the same the same goes for me. You can't convince me that he's throwing a different baseball than the rest of the entire league. He's still it's a Chris Sale problem. Not everyone has a four point six eight ERA. But he, I, okay, I, you could you could talk to me about his K rate. Great, yeah, because especially early in his starts, he compiles strikeouts. But when it becomes pitch eighty. He changes. His location in the strike zone is not the same. He stops striking out people. And maybe his walk rate isn't some some you know wild aberration from his career, and it may not be as you know some uh, uh, a significant difference off other elite pitchers, like for example Garrett Cole. But he's not the same guy. No one, come on, Terry. He he's not the, he's not as good. It's not even close. Juice baseballs aren't going to affect everybody the same. Certain pitching styles oh. are going to be more susceptible to that ball going over the fence. I'm I'm not gonna what I'm not it? coming off of it. I'm not, Terry, stop saying I'm not coming off of it. Everyone knows you're not coming off of it. I'm not saying come off of it. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. But what I'm saying is that for for example, David Price is pathetic as he's been in the last month has evolved. He's not 96-97 on a four-seamer anymore. He developed the cutter. He throws more two-seamers. He really doesn't throw a four-seamer anymore. I mean, he has evolved. and he, I mean, it's not the best example in the world because he's been a total piece of shit. That, that, that he, dollar he wasn't 97-98 last year, though. He was the same pitcher. No, he but... was five years ago, and he evolved. Right. He's a, dude, he's a totally different pitcher. But why Chris were they? Chris has not shown any willingness to be anything other than he's always been. I'm just Except going back a year in time. Good. I'm just going back a year in time, which is which was yesterday, and both pitchers <laughs> were fine. Chris Hill had a ten point whatever WAR, and he he pitched like three months. David Price had his best year in a Red Sox uniform, throwing the same exact velocity he's been doing this year, dotting the corners of the strike zone, and. So what's the difference between last year and this year then with David Price? It's juice baseballs. <laughs> Terry, of all people, to blame poor performance on our own team, the team we watch every night, the team you and I have talked about now uh, over a year, um, twice a week, to blame that performance on the juice baseball and not the athlete's performance is shocking. And I know you're not going to change your mind. I'm not trying to change your mind. But 
it's shocking that you're that for whatever reason the narrative is being switched or changed in my opinion not yours my opinion from accountability from the athlete to something like the fucking baseball oh that's another dollar um but i mean it, i mean it's a, and, and the f word is probably worth two if we're being honest uh, <laughs> but i mean look I, everyone's throwing the same baseball I, and i i agree with you the baseball is different but at the end of the day come on terry of all people to not hold the player accountable it's so- it's and, and look, I'm again, I'm not trying to change your mind, Terry, but it's shocking from the people that have, have been a part of your Twitter for, you know, better part of closing on two years, been on the podcast for a full year. We, we've done about 60 of these things together. I mean, it's shocking that you that you of all people, and I'll be interested to see uh, the people that tweet us every after every podcast say about this, that you of all people are giving an ancillary, what I would call a third party excuse other than the athlete's performance. It's it's very surprising. I already said there's variance from pitcher to pitcher, from style to style, but it's the same common denominator. It's the same common denominator. And yes, maybe after the Eckersley incident, you know, may, maybe Price just isn't into it right now, and, and that's his fault. But I'm not... It's 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 been the largest common denominator this season between 2019 and 2018. Chris Sale has a Here's- 468 ERA and he's got the highest K rate. I'm Here's what I'll say. First off, everybody's going to be happy that your little love fest between the two of you is completely over. Uh, thank you for coming back to the podcast. I don't know what that little kumbaya garbage <laughs> was before, but uh, as the uh, third guy in here, I'm going to sit here and say both of you are correct, and here's how. Um, first off, I do believe it is a mechanical issue for sale. So if the mechanical issue is not there, I, it's a performance issue to Jeremy's point where he's missing the zone, uh, and it, it is a mechanical thing. However, because of that, then he's having to groove that 3-2 pitch in order to not walk somebody and, and try to challenge him. And because he's having to throw it right down the middle, it's more hittable. And to Terry's point, with the ball being juiced, that ball is a, it's, it's screaming off the bat. They're barreling it up. So it's a little bit of both of it, in, in my opinion. Uh, they, it's Yes, the ball is juiced. And yes, the performance isn't there because he's not locating it due to either mechanical issues or because uh, all of these guys were horribly overused in the offseason, or I'm sorry, in the postseason last year because Dombrowski didn't give them a good bullpen last year and neglected it. And then they put him on the throwing program, which was pretty much to not throw at all until about (laughs) May. And uh, so now there's mechanical issues because they didn't work those out in spring training or there's, hey, the stamina is still not there or they're tiring later in games or whatever. So they're having mechanical issues or stamina issues or whatever it may be. And then later in games, the control's not there and they're grooving pitches. And now these baseballs are juiced and they're bouncing off the bats a lot farther and these guys are getting scorched. Um, The only time... the only time you have an excuse to be middle middle in the ba- in the in the major leagues is three two with the bases chucked. Other than that, there's no excuse to be middle middle. There there is. I'm sorry, it's major league baseball. I don't care if it's o two or it's it's three o 
man on first and second, no outs, and obviously you don't want to walk the bases loaded. But your aim point can't be middle middle. It just can't be. There's only one pitch that you could be doing that. And you, but but your point, I think, um, that I that I agree with is that he has been middle middle. Again, yeah, he's not efficient within the strike zone. He's trying to yeah. get over to the plate, but I think he's leaving in middle middle. The control isn't there, so he's trying to get it over the plate and make sure he has it. But the location isn't there, and it's going middle middle, and it's getting smoked. Um, and if the balls are juiced, it's getting smoked even harder than before. So it's something that balls are juiced. In, a corn in the past is now landing, you know, 430 feet out in the bleachers. So I, I think it's both. I think they're both valid points. And, and I think it sucks this year because I think they all got overused. I always look at the World Series hangover. I think that's the biggest thing is they overuse a lot of their rotation because they baby them now. And these guys are going out. They're, they're conditioned to go out and just throw gas for five to six innings, and then they're done. Where in the past, they may junk ball it up a little bit to get longer relief or uh, longer uh, performances and then turn it over to the bullpen. That's not the case anymore. They're out there throwing gas and get it, giving it everything they have. And now the, the World Series, you know, they get another, another month, month and a half under their belt, and that's a lot of wear and tear on the arms. They don't recover, and... I think we're seeing some of that. And then without adding any fresh arms to the bullpen or the rotation, it's a perfect storm. And these guys, just the mechanics aren't there. The stamina's not there. There's a lot of factors. They're not locating the ball. It's ugly. And then, you know, compounded by the fact that the ball is likely juiced, it's, they're getting hit a lot harder, and, and it's resulting in a ton more runs. Here, so, here's, here's the funny part to me. For all the complaints and the whatever the position is that you know Terry's articulating here tonight, and there are people that agree with him, and I'm not saying he's right and I'm wrong or whatever, but you have the best offense in baseball. You're number one in runs per per game. So simultaneously, while complaining about the effect of juice balls, again, everyone's throwing the same baseball. Your offense is the the best in in baseball. You're, you've literally scored the most runs. So imagine if this team had, like, let's say, even the tenth best offense or the fifteenth best offense, where we would be. Certainly not six and a half games out of the wild card. It'd be, you know, it'd be totally different situation. We'd probably be like ten games under five hundred with the way this pitching staff has been. So they're still reaping the 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 the, the name on the front of the jersey is still reaping the benefit of. And Matt, everyone knows, but. The baseball's juiced. <laughs> I mean, it's not likely. It's baseball literally didn't deny it at the All Star break when when uh, Manfred was talked uh, talk, uh, was asked questions about it. So I mean, it is what it is. But you know, we and we can debate the effect of that on each pitcher all we want. But at the end of the day, they're all the same baseballs, and your 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 offense is the best offense. We're tenth in home runs, though, so we're not. You know, but Terry, what's the difference if you're the bet you, you have the most runs scored in Major League Baseball? Isn't that what it's about? It's it, it, uh, home runs don't count more than runs. Yeah, and I don't care if the ball's juiced uh, or whatever the scenario is with the team that they're fielding right now. There's no excuse to lose series to the Royals, the Orioles, teams that they've been losing series to all year. I mean, they've been underperforming, so I don't care. They could they could juice the ball. They could move the the walls in. They could do whatever, regardless of of all of those factors. 
you're losing to the Royals and and you're losing to the Orioles and 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 you're getting swept by people. You're underperforming. So there is some of that. I mean, we can we can point out all the mechanical reasons, all the whatever, but there's a lot of it that's just. I feel like it's mental and it's poor coaching and it's the lack of adjustments overall by this team. I, I, I still think they're resting on the 2018 laurels way too much and they're getting punished for it and, and rightfully so. And at some point, somebody should have raised their hand probably a hell of a lot longer ago than, than now. I mean, I see Cora's talking about maybe adjusting the rotation, which I don't know who he's going to put in there because there's not a lot of options. I don't see anything in the minors or anything else. And he's talking about skipping starts and doing all this different stuff with the rotation. What are you going to do? Have a start, you know, use your bullpen. That's, that's fared pretty well. You have no bullpen either. So I don't know what he's planning on doing, but now all of a sudden they're weighing options to switch stuff up. And it's like, uh, yeah, maybe we should have thought about that in May or June when we were getting smoked by people before. So the underperformances. I don't. I don't even ever care. I mean, the the payroll that we have versus the Royals, and the fact that, that you know, I challenge most people to try to name five players on the Royals. Uh, probably the five that you name are on the DL right now, and they're still kicking our asses. And I don't even care a dollar on the swear jar for that. Again, it's it's pathetic, and that's what the most infuriating thing is as a Red Sox fan is. You're sitting there watching this team with the highest payroll, the highest offense, or the best offense in baseball, with the most runs scored, the best batting average. You've got three guys who are leading the league in, are top five in the league in nearly everything. It, and we can't win series against scrub teams that that are fielding double A AA and triple A guys. That's pathetic, and and that comes down to management, coaching, things like that, and and. That's the only place that you can point that finger. And just to be clear, I I don't care at this point how we're the number one offense. I'm just saying the Red Sox, you know, mode of being the number one offense doesn't fit the trend with the rest of the league. It fits our starting rotation because they're the ones giving up the home runs, you know, and getting feasted on. But uh, I, I'm just saying. I mean, it, it's gonna. It comes down to pitching. And we're not that good. And I hope I hope next year that adjustments do get made, you know, to the ball, you know, maybe closer to, you know, either 2018 where it was in between the two record seasons or, you know, go back to 2014, 2015 type baseballs and. You know, and, and uh, you know, that that's how I see it. And it's a trash product. Like, it's not, people aren't warming up to it. People are, are getting more and more alienated by it. And uh, so something has to be done. It's, it's not, it's not good. It's not good for pitching. And, and it's, it's not a watchable game because they're all, you know, three and a quarter, three and a half, four hour games. And. I mean, how many people are are staying up right now to watch the Red Sox and the Royals? Uh, I wouldn't be, probably. <laughs> no. I'll be honest and, with you. And uh, we're we're not technically out of the you know the race yet. You know, I, I think you know two thirds of the fan base probably is, but but you know we're we're not getting that type of rhetoric from you know Cora Dombrowski and you know the 
certain players haven't haven't given up yet either. But I don't know. Let's uh, we we I didn't think we were going to spend over forty minutes on juice baseballs. I mean, it was fun, and you know, we may as well because you know some of these shows are going to be painful. But um, Dave, it was Terry. It was refreshing to yell at you. <laughs> yeah, we were we basically p- played patty cakes for several shows in a row without <laughs> losing our minds. It was sickening. And was I told sickening. Matt, I told because I, you know, and Matt, I've been trying to tell you, you know, be yourself, you know, be be animated, and I'm like, Jeremy and I go after each other, so you know, go after us, it's fine. And I said, you're Ter- gonna Ter- you're gonna have a Ter- front row seat. We've had some moments where Terry's like. Listen, mother effer, I'm going to finish my point, like, screaming at me. <laughs> it was nice to get back to that again, I have to say. All right. Um, so, as a lead-in here, as uh, my slow-ass tablet, my tablet, I'm going to name it Sandy Leone because it's just slow. It can't hit either? Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess not. Um, all right, so, Dan Shaughnessy kind of had a you know, some eye-opening comments in an article a couple of days ago in the Boston Globe. And uh, this is what he had to say, quote, I'll be shocked if Dave Dombrowski is back with the Red Sox next season. Boston's president of baseball operations has increasingly isolated himself with pals Frank Wren and Tony La Russa and has few friends inside the Red Sox uh, or Fenway's walls. Dombrowski is under contract for just one more season. And he goes on to say that, you know, changes have to be made, you know, you know, at least as far as roster and whatnot. And, but he's kind of surmising that this could, uh, you know, maybe this will be, uh, you know, the the end of Dombrowski following this season after most of us agreed that he was going to get an automatic free ticket into next season. And before we weigh in, one more observation. This is from Chris Mason, who I believe writes for the Eagle Tribune. He tweets, in February, John Henry said, it probably doesn't make sense for your general manager to go into his final year without a contract. Dombrowski's contract is up after 2020, so it would seem that ownership has a major decision looming, says Chris Mason. So with you know, with these tweets and articles coming out, I'll also add Alex Reamer, John Tomasi, also wrote critical opinion pieces on Dombrowski this year. The media is coming down on him now, and he's he's the one with the target on his back. He used the get-out-of-jail-free card by firing Farrell, bringing in Cora, and, you know, it worked great last year, but, we, you know, and we've scrutinized a lot of the offseason for, for most of, of this year. But, so, uh, you know, in the last few days, I guess, my question for you guys, are you a little more skeptical now as to whether or not he'll be back? I really don't think he'll be back. I really don't. I think him and, and the pitching coach are not even scapegoats. I think they deserve it. 
Matt? Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that either. And 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 really, you know, there's there's basically um, the reports coming out are that Dombrowski is is basically isolated himself and doesn't have a lot of allies within within the front offices anymore outside of Tony Larusa and Frank Wren. Um, they're already basically. I think it was uh, Shaughnessy that had uh, Eddie Romero, uh, the the current executive VP and former VP of international scouting, tapped as the the likely candidate to replace him. Um, you know, John Henry has been pretty candid in uh, blasting the fact that you know they've wasted resources. They had the highest payroll in baseball. Um, you know, he's, he's not happy that the highest payroll in baseball has netted him no playoff berth, uh, or what looks like is going to be no playoff berth. I think that's why they gave them, you know, they, they weren't even willing to give them any, uh, uh, additional resources is because he was upset over the fact that, Hey, you know, we, we gave you the highest payroll in baseball and they're, they're severely underpaying or uh, performing as it is. So why am I going to, uh, am I going to trust you with even more money in it? I think he kind of set Dombrowski up for failure on that one. I don't think they gave him the the permission to really go out and, and get anything that really add to the payroll. And, and rightfully so. I mean, they're underperforming with the largest payroll as it is, and they were getting drugged by people. Um, so, you know, I, I know he's also, Henry's also um, been critical of the stripping of the farm system uh, to get some of these guys, which... I agree with some of the moves. Some of the moves have played off and are played out, and you always chase banners over prospects. Uh, prospects are cool, you know. Parades are cooler, as they say. Um, so I, I didn't think that Dombrowski was going to be kept anyway. I, I just think that he's, you know, the fan base is turning on him. I think the front office, our, our upper ownership, and and other management within the Red Sox are kind of turning on him and. You know, I, I think the team is going to continue to under, underperform because, again, they don't adjust to anything. So I don't see any chance that this guy comes back. Um, there's as good a chance of him coming back as there is Dustin Pedroia coming back next year and playing 162 games. Um, as far as Levanji goes, again, he's going to be the sacrificial lamb. Um some of me, some part of me believes that maybe he was in over his head on this, uh, in, in this position. I know he's been in other positions there. Um, maybe he was the benefit, uh, benefactor of, uh, you know, having a lot of really high, high impact, highly talented arms that kind of made him look better. And, and last year, you know, any one of us may have been able to go out there and been the pitching coach, uh, but when, when everything's falling apart and you don't make any adjustments and nobody gets better and it seems like their rotation gets progressively worse uh, and their bullpen's already in, uh, just an absolute disaster, the microscope's going to be on you. Um, you know, I, I kind of joke that Erod contracted whatever it was that the rest of the rotation had and, and now he's he's full-blown with it. These guys are just all, all falling apart, and it doesn't seem like anybody has the answer, and, and nobody's going out there and making adjustments. We just keep hearing, well, I sucked. We're just going to kind of go out next time and, and try to go get them. Well, is anybody analyzing why you sucked and, and, and why you got shelled and, and how it's it's such an aberration that, and, and you know anomaly from what you were doing before? Nope, we're just going to go out and keep 
doing the same thing and hope it fixes itself. Well, that's the, the whole point of the pitching coach is to correct some of that stuff. And maybe it is going on behind the scenes, but you would think that somebody would say, hey, yeah, you know, Dana's working with these guys and we think we've got an idea and they'd come out with more than, well, we just sucked this time well, and, and we underperformed. Well, no kidding. Everybody and their brother saw that. It, it's you know, Chris Sale just gave up eight runs. We we saw that. You didn't need anybody to, you know, really relay that message to us. So I think both those guys are gone. I don't know that if if the bullpen comes in here in the tenth inning against the Royals and they lose this game, I think there's a chance Levangie could be gone before they even uh, before Anaheim or Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim of Hollywood or whatever they are now. Uh, even come to town. I, I don't think it'll be long before somebody's head has to roll here. And uh, the writing's on the wall. These guys aren't going to make it very long. I don't think Levangi will be gone before the end of the season. I, I think it's still a semi-long shot that he won't be, you know, the pitching coach to start next season as well. If Dombrowski's on his way out, he probably knows that at this point. You know, the fans are closing in on him, ownership, other front office consultants. I, I know Veritech, uh, Pedro Martinez, you know, are within the organization as consultants. So, I mean, if he really has no allies, I doubt he's going to be, you know, making any more tough decisions at this point. And, you know, Alex Cora will probably have a little bit to say about something like that as well. And I, I just can't see that happening at this point. It's an extreme long shot. I think I saw uh, earlier today that they had something like a 15% chance of making the postseason on uh, MLB Central. So uh, it, it's it's just a long shot. But here are some things. Like, I think we can agree that Evaldi on a four-year deal was a mistake Bringing back uh, Steve Pierce possibly was a mistake. You could have allocated that money, maybe in both instances, you know, for for a bullpen arm or whatever. So, you know, that's, he, he kind of whiffed there, I think. I don't blame Chris Sale on Dave Dombrowski because I think that was ownership. John Henry even made comments that they had screwed up the Lester situation. They didn't want to do it again. I was screaming all offseason not to do it before the season started to wait, but whatever. Uh, that's still an ownership thing. I, I don't really put that on Dombrowski. The David Price contract I put on Dombrowski, that was one of his first big moves, uh, you know, as soon as he took over. And, you know, the performance this year, it's going to be the worst year of his career, however it ends up. He's currently got a 4.36 ERA. That's just over a full run higher than his career average. 358 in 2018, not too bad there. Uh, 338 in 2017, but only in 11 starts because of his magic elbow. And then he scuffled his first year with a 399 ERA. So the performance hasn't been there. But one interesting thing that I kind of thought of, David Price has now had controversies with two different managers now. He had one a few weeks ago. On Alex Cora's watch. And to Alex Cora's credit, he did try to discourage him 
from having that little media charade, but you know it, it happened, and then he had a couple of issues under Farrell, and then was openly clashing with Farrell. So I mean, David Price has been a problem in a multitude of ways on and off the field, and I think that's reflecting poorly on Dombrowski. You know, you know, in totality of you know, all the things that just haven't gone right. So, you know, and then we could get into the Thornburg, Travis Shaw deal, you know, that was painful, but he's definitely had, you know, some, some dark spots, you know, throughout his tenure here. And, you know, I just thought I'd point those out. All fair criticisms. Okay. I well, mean, look, and, and here's here's the thing too. The things that we were always worried about with him have come true. We were worried about his ability to build a bullpen. Do I need to go further? We were worried about his his desire to strip farm systems for major league talent. Now, there's no question that our farm system is like. And many people have it as the, the worst in Major League Baseball. But he did give you a World Series, so it's like, is it justifiable? Maybe. But the, to the level that it's at right now is pathetic. Like The reason why we didn't make any trades isn't a lack of desire. It's that we didn't have the resources. And the resources we have, we had to keep. So we were handicapped by Dombrowski's steps leading up to this, you know, two weeks ago. The guy was right for the team at the time and is now not right for the team. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't get free passes for winning a World Series. So, I mean, he, I, to me, he's gone. He should be gone. I hate Dan Shaughnessy. I thought his tweet was fantastic. I thought his observation was 100% dead accurate. And, uh, you know, I, I stand behind it as far as how I feel about the situation. Here's uh, one other thing, too. I was going to mention this earlier when we were talking about the Red Sox bullpen, but I, I dug up a little bit of data here. With Detroit, these are Dombrowski's bullpens over his last several years. 2010, Detroit goes to the World Series against the Giants. I think they got swept or they only won one game. It wasn't a close series. Dombrowski's bullpen was ranked 14th overall that season. 2012, they played the Giants again in the World Series. Again, it was not close. His bullpen that year was ranked 18th overall. 2013, against the Boston Red Sox, ALCS, they had the 24th worst bullpen in Major League Baseball. Year after that, 2014, that was the last time they made the playoffs under Dombrowski, and actually the last time they've been to the playoffs, period. That bullpen was ranked 27th, and they were swept in the ALDS against the Baltimore Orioles. So if you're wondering why he doesn't, you know, he just doesn't pursue bullpen arms, he apparently must have the flawed mindset. Well, you know, we get into the playoffs anyway. And I think Alex Cora bailed him out in 2018 by by integrating the starting rotation in, in into the bullpen 
And we'd seen that in previous years with Bumgarner and, you know, but we hadn't seen it quite done that systematically, you know, as Cora did it. So I'm just, that's a terrible track record. And, you know, when I thought to kind of start compiling that data for those playoff years, I was kind of surprised how bad those bullpens really were. To my earlier point, I think that I think you're right. Cora did bail him out by his his brilliant use of the the starting rotation as bullpen pieces in the the playoffs, especially the World Series. But I think that adversely, you know, in a major way, it adversely impacted 2019 and how they performed this year. And I, I think it gave Dombrowski that false sense of security that well, the bullpen wasn't that important. Look at you know, we didn't even really have to use. Kimbrel or Kelly or those guys in in the playoffs. Uh, well, they use Kelly a bunch, but they let him walk, and you know he came through towards the end. But he was not very, very good leading up to the postseason. He was lights out in the postseason, and I just think he he got that false sense of security and, and this false idea that the bullpen wasn't that important. Well, that's great. You know, you, you have to make the the playoffs before you can structure your team like that but until then that bullpen is an integral part of getting through those 162 games and and doing it successfully and he just completely neglected it and and gutted it and you know the, the the two had they added to the bullpen they may have been able to get through it seems like the either the rotation or the bullpen one or the other is terrible at that time um Maybe they would have been able to right the ship and and remain competitive and got into the the, the playoffs. And I'll be honest with you, if the Red Sox ha- are able to find a way to get into the playoffs, they may still have a team that's structured well enough to win. But I just don't see any way that they can do it because of the neglect that they've had and the underperformance of the rotation. I just don't see it. But he, he definitely underestimated the importance and definitely... They had to use up their their rotation, and and it's it's cost them this year, and I think it's ultimately going to cost them his job. I hope it does, and it's just crazy how you know quick the one eighty happened because you know a few days ago I I didn't see it coming. Any uh, final thoughts, Jeremy? Before we move on, no. Okay, super quick before we do get into the um, the preview. It is nickname weekend, and uh, ominously, we've gotten swept both of the previous uh, nickname weekends in the last couple of years. It might have been to the Rays both times, but it was definitely to the Rays last time. Just to run down the list real quick, Xander Bogarts is the X-Man. Sandy Leone is Noah. Christian Vazquez, Colo. David Price, X, I think that's for his son, Xavier. Raphael Devers, Carita, Brock Holt, BH, not very creative. Benintendi is still Benny. Evaldi is Nitro. Moreland is uh, two bags. <laughs> Jackie Bradley is just going with JBJ. Cora goes with Skipper. Rick Porcello goes with Porcello. Michael Chavis uh, will have Chief on the back of his jersey. J.D. Martinez, Flacco, Matt Barnes will be Barnsey. Heath Hembry might have Tommy John pretty quick here, but his is Heater. Chris Sale is still the conductor. 
and uh, just the last handful. Uh, workman is work is work actually. Cashner is cash. Mookie is Mookie. Erod is El Gualo. Here's uh, the weirdest one. Uh, Sam Travis is Doctor Chill. Uh, Brian Johnson is BJ. Hernandez just goes with his last name. Walden goes with Waldo. Josh Smith, if he's on the roster, goes with Webb. And Josh Taylor will go with Taylor. So lack of creativity this year is what I took most from this list. I blame that on Major League Baseball and the regulations. Uh, they wouldn't let Chris Dickerson be big dick. So, you know, <laughs> if you can't do that, then what the hell can you be? While we're uh, kind of, you know, goofy here, I noticed last night that there's a reliever in the Kansas City bullpen. His name is Richard Lovelady. So I don't know if his name, if he goes by Dick or not, you know, Dick Lovelady. I don't know. Hopefully nobody's listening in their office right now. But what one was your um, favorite, Jeremy? I, I I have an unpopular opinion about all this. I, okay. I think this is just such a cheap marketing ploy it that it just makes me roll my eyes. It absolutely is, you know, because they're going to sell some of these and and – uh, yeah, but they're trying to appeal to the kids, apparently. For every, uh, for every player's name, or uh, player's weekend jersey, you get a box of 10 juiced uh, baseballs. To go with it. <laughs> so it's, it's a great ploy. Terry, Terry will be in his backyard hitting him off a tee. May as well. <laughs> All right, let's get to the preview. Terry, you want to lead us off here? I don't have it up yet. Why don't you go ahead with it? Sure. We got uh, Dylan Peters versus Christopher Sale. Uh, Dylan Peters in a very small sample size, by the way. He's 2-0 with a 3-2 ERA. Um, Chris Sale sucks. He's underachieved all year. This is kind of a wild card. The game's in Boston. So for me, um, I think this is a lot of, you know, if Trout's really good and and has one of the series where he's like 7-11 with three or four home runs. I, don't, I just don't think it matters. Chris Sale's not better than than Mike Trout. And uh, uh, the way the thing has gone, just, you know, who knows. And, look, Dylan Peters has a small sample size, so a lot of it could be is Fenway something that shocks him and, you know, he stinks out loud, or does he follow his short track record? Um, but... Um, with the way this thing's gone, um, I don't think this is a surefire win. I mean, it just hasn't been all year, so why would it be tomorrow night at 7-10? I uh, agree totally, and uh, I'll just make the first pick here. I'm going with the Angels. I mean, it's a perfect situation. The Red Sox typically do struggle against young pitchers that they have no data on, and I think that... Los Angeles lineup is more than capable of doing some serious damage to Chris Sale. So I'll take the Angels in game one. Yeah, this this series is a stark contrast. You have four seasoned vets going for the Red Sox and Sale, Price, Porcello, and Kashner versus 
one TBD, and then three guys who the most innings they've pitched this this year. One guy has 46 innings pitched, another has five, and one has 25. So the Red Sox do typically struggle against guys where there's not a lot of film on them. Um, I, for whatever reason, I can't quit Chris Hale. He's like crack to me. So I, I feel like he's <laughs> still got go. the stuff. I, I, I don't know. I, he, I'm going to go with him winning this one. I will pick him to win one. I think he's due. He's pit, he pitched like crap last time. I feel like this is one of those uh, you know put up or shut up games because he just got annihilated. Plus, they said they fixed him, and we all know they fixed Brazier. Um, I think he's dominant down in AAA now. I, I think they they said they fixed him. So I don't know. I'll pick Sal to win this one. I'll, I'll go against you guys on that one. Uh, Matt, your optimism will be <laughs> funny to laugh at in a couple days. Uh, anyways, uh, I think it's Jaime Barea versus David Price. Uh, David Price is a coward sack of shit, and I don't think he'll pitch well in this game as a result. Uh, w- with regards to Barea, he stinks. He's 4-5 and five with a 6.5 ERA. Uh, I actually think at Fenway, this game favors the Red Sox. I'm not familiar at all with him. I was semi-familiar with uh, most of these Kansas City uh, starters. So um, I, I'm going to pick the Angels again. I, 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 price sucks. And I, I at this point, I'm wondering if he even cares. He just had a kid born. Season's in the toilet. He's tired of the Eckersley thing. And I just... I don't know how amped up David Price is going to be, you know, to face the Angels here on a game that might be meaningless. And especially if we lose tonight, you know, and come away with another series loss. So, you know, we just struggled with with all three Kansas City uh, starters who all had ERAs five or higher. Um, And like I said, that's a lineup that can do some damage, you know, so I don't. I don't see Price turning it around here. I'll take the Angels again. Uh, I think both of these guys get knocked out early. The Red Sox have to go to their bullpen early. Um, It's probably tied 8-8 in the 8th. And uh, I'm going to go with a blown save again by the Red Sox. And they lose 10-8 in this one. So I'm going to pick the Angels to win it. Game three is Porcello versus a TBD. So, you know, not much to say here other than maybe Porcello can uh, piggyback off his uh, decent start against the Royals. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that. I'll take the uh, Red Sox in that one. I, I got to pick him one time in the series. Kashner goes the game after, and Porcello has had the best start of anyone not named Rodriguez. Uh, the most recently, so um, yeah, I'll take Porcello. I think Porcello wins this one. Um, I don't think it's necessarily pretty, but he does what he typically does, and he pitches six innings, maybe gives up five runs, but I think the Red Sox offense kind of wins this one for him, so I'm going to pick the Red Sox to win this one. 
The last game of the series, 1 o'clock on Sunday, Patrick Sandoval, um, who just made his Major League debut, so he has no track record uh, against Kashner. Uh, I think Kashner gets rocked in this start, and I don't know what you're going to get from Pat Patrick Sandoval, who's you know basically a minor leaguer in his second start. Um, I just think it's going to be hard to win Kashner's uh, start. So I, you know, I don't. I guess if I predict the series, I think it'll be a split. And um, at the end of the day, whether Kashner even gets the five innings to be factoring in in the decision. Probably up for some debate, but with the unknown of Patrick Sandoval, this is almost an impossible game to call. I guess I'll say that the Red Sox are down uh, two games to one in the series, and they find a way uh, a way to get the offense to win this game. Well, Sandoval went five innings in his debut, uh, gave up two runs, struck out eight, and he's a lefty, so uh, I don't like how any of that plays. And I don't like Kashner anymore, despite advocating staunchly for him to be traded to us. So, and, and why wouldn't why wouldn't a guy named Sandoval screw the Red Sox? So, uh, you just stole my thunder. Oh, did I? Actually, you know what? We might get no hit on on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going. I'm going Angels three to one, and we have never won a game during nickname weekend. Also. Um, so I say three to one angels. Uh, Hey, good news. Um, the Red Sox are not going to lose the series tonight because the game is suspended until further notice. So there is that. So tied series with the Royals, everybody high five. That's fantastic. We did not lose the Royals. So happiness there. So, So that said, I, uh, I agree. I think Kashner gets smashed in this one. Uh, he sucks. He's terrible. Um, Anybody named Sandoval owns the Red Sox. Um, it's probably Pablo Sandoval's twin brother or something. I don't. I don't even know the details on this guy because he hasn't been around. It could be Pablo Sandoval. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he just went with Patrick Sandoval because it's Players Weekend and he can name himself whatever. I, I don't know what the deal is, but yeah, I, I don't see him winning this one against anybody named Sandoval. Um, yeah, two two. I think it's a 2-2 series. They win the Porcello and Sal one and lose Price and Kashner, who are both piles of trash. That's uh, that's my prediction. And uh, with this series, it's interesting uh, with, the, with the Royals because we've already played them, so they might potentially have to fly all the way into Boston to play, like, an inning. <laughs> that's crazy. They're going to resume it. They're resuming it on August 22nd. Wow. Okay. You know, with both teams not necessarily even well, they they're not making the playoffs and if we don't either, I'm surprised they don't just push it all the way to the back and they you should know. probably just cancel the rest of the season for both of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the Indians recently didn't play a makeup game like within the last 5 years, so they they only played 161 games. So I, I've seen a similar scenario, but oh well, you know, isn't that the story of our year? I mean, doesn't it make perfect sense for this to happen with all the weird crap that's gone on? And yeah, I just, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Indians won two games today, by the way, so they're only two games behind the uh, uh, 
twins there. So that's uh, that'll be an interesting race, nonetheless. Terry, I've already I've already spent my hundred dollars, so I'll need that pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're we're probably going to be even anyway because if if the Indians win that bet for you, we made a bet like I don't know in May or something that the Red Sox wouldn't make the wild card. So um, it's probably just going to end up being even. Anyway, I did make uh, I did make two one hundred dollar bets today though. Let's hear them. I said that. In 2020, Donald Trump would beat the Democrat to be named later. And so I like my odds in that one. But uh, anyway, uh, good show, guys. Uh, what was the other one? Was that the, the, oh, the I, same? Two people. You just made two, it to two people? Two or? different people. Yeah, it's on my Facebook. Uh, I caused a lot of drama uh, over the gun thing this weekend. I won't do that on the podcast, but... But I, I did uh, bet on the election anyway. So, um, so, so Terry, you, you've made a ton of bets. I just hope that you don't have, uh, you know, children that you can't afford buying their sneakers <laughs> so you can pay, pay those debts. Hey, uh, Red Sox Station, good night. I'm out. Okay. Have a good night. Have a good night, guys. <laughs> episode 158 in the books uh more entertaining show than i expected it would be so uh hopefully everybody enjoyed it we're at the 90 minute mark so not too bad um everyone just uh have a good uh end to your work week and uh angel series this weekend and uh if you're not into the Red Sox, there's plenty of uh, meaningful baseball across the league. And if you're not into baseball at this point, well, you got the Patriots pretty soon. So have a good night, and we will uh, see you guys on Sunday night. Take care. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Ooh. Swing it, a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and then he makes the catch, he did it, he got it. Here we go, time to party, right here, 3-2. High the they crushed it, it's a grand slam. Swing and a miss, frankly, it's over, the Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets podcast. Can you believe it? 